Welcome to Sense You Asked, a podcast where we have authentic conversations built around your questions on life, biblical Christianity, and occasionally completely random topics. Now here's your hosts, Ben Farley and Ben Van Hyning. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Since You Asked. This is episode three. Uh, My name is Ben Farley. I am one of your co-hosts alongside Ben Van Heining. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. I hope uh, everybody's having a great day today. The sun was shining. It's hot. It is hot. Man, we went from spring sweatshirt weather to To absolute scorching. Just Just sweat. Sweats in your shirt. Yeah. Sweatshirts to sweaty shirts is what we've been (laughs) dealing with. Although I will say, uh, young people, I don't know what's going on with them, but I see them wearing their sweatshirts and their hoodies still. Miley still wearing her hoodie. Wow. We're wondering if there's something wrong with her. Like she's got some weird thing that (laughs) makes her cold in this weather. It's hot. I, I thought the the cold nature, like being cold at all times, happened as you got older. I now it's just so starting too. to set in in the younger generation. <laughs> yeah, as teenagers, there, yeah. But it is warm outside. It so. is well, but it's still a great day here Absolutely. on since you asked. We are we are thrilled that you have joined us. If you've been sticking with us for the first three episodes, thank you so much. Um, again, we continually are overwhelmed at the amount of people that are tuning in, uh, that are commenting and, and letting us know that they're listening. And this morning, uh, got a pretty pretty cool email that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got an email from a, a company asking to feature our podcast on a top newcomer in the United States list. Um, so pretty cool honor. Nothing that we set out to do. We just, yeah. uh, we, we honestly assumed that our wives and our parents would be the ones listening to this and uh you know maybe a couple of people at church that wanted to suck up to us or something sure. i don't know yeah but uh no yeah. there there's been so many of you that have listened uh i think we have had listeners in 11 states and four countries now wow and so it's just pretty cool to to see again that's not what we necessarily set out to do uh, but we are very very thankful that you take time out of your day uh, to listen to this and so Today, uh, we're going to start the way we have every single episode. Every single day in America is a national day of something. And again, uh, it creates pressure on a lot of people to celebrate, to know, and we do not want you, the since you asked audience, to be uninformed. Absolutely. And so, Ben, yeah, what is today? Well, it's interesting. There's several different ones. There's five, five national days. Uh, today's Tuesday, May the 17th is... National Cherry Cobbler Day. There must be a dessert for every day of the year. Because I, I think every episode has had a different dessert. Some kind of dessert. You know, I don't know if it's the weekly thing. Because I don't check this every day, but I, on, on Tuesday, certainly. And there has been a dessert each day. So it's either a 365-day celebration of some dessert, or just it happens to be that Tuesdays they land there. Yeah. But whatever the case may be, National Cherry Cobbler Day today. Well, and you know what is a little disheartening is that this is episode three. So this is the third dessert that we have laid out for since you ask nation. Yeah. And yet we've tried none of them. We've tried none of them. We've had none prepared for us and brought in. That's the reason why we launched this podcast. The 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 reason. Yeah. Uh Cherry Cobbler Day uh probably could be one of my favorite days um, growing up, my grandpa's favorite dessert was peach cobbler. Yeah. He would ask for a peach cobbler on his birthday, not birthday cake. 
And uh, so I just grew up eating cobbler. Cobbler can be made with a crust on top and a crust on the bottom, or it can mm. just simply be made with a crust on top. Um, there's lots of ways you can make cherry cobbler. Do not confuse cherry cobbler with a cherry crisp. Okay. Because the cherry cobbler has more of a doughy crust huh. versus a crisp has oatmeal included in its crust. Mm. So, um, so whatever your favorite flavor is today, I would suggest you make a cobbler. Yeah. Two, make two, um, make two, and one for share yourself, them. And we'll try it. Yeah, bring them here to do that. Uh, pretty appropriate for the time of year that it is, but this is National Graduation Tassel Day. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but that tassel. Uh, only recently, I graduated in 1990 from high school. I only just recently threw that away, and I decided that uh, after 30. Uh, two years that it was time to get rid of that tassel because it was just a daily and weekly reminder that I'm getting older and older. Right. Well, we had talked earlier before the show that uh, there is kind of a graduation tassel progression yeah. that everybody goes through, and it has to do with yeah. where they place that tassel. So go ahead and lay that out. For well, me. we did, you know, Jill and I were discussing, you take the tassel when you first get it, you flip it across your, you know, the mortarboard hat, and, and it's a proud moment. So you take that, you put it on your car mirror, and it kind of swings there and kind of reminds you the accomplishment that you made. By the time you're in college, it's, uh, you know, and you get your own place. It goes from the card mirror to the mirror in the house. Yep. So every day you brush your hair or whatever you're doing there to look in the mirror. It's a reminder that, hey, you've made it. By the time you get to the point where you're my age now and your kids are graduating, it's in a jar or a cup that you saved from high school somewhere <laughs> in a box underneath, in my case, the, the stairway in my parents' house. Uh, and recently when they moved... Um, Mom brought me the box of just junk of things, and and it got thrown away because I'm like, I graduated in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who are having children, graduating from college, and very successful now who were born after I graduated from high school and yeah. college now. So, yeah, I don't need that reminder much Well, it's anymore. a great reminder early on of the accomplishments that you've made, but later on, it becomes a reminder of how long ago those accomplishments were made. So, <laughs> well, if they could give us a tassel every four years for something else that we've done, right. yeah. that might be a little better, but you don't get a tassel, you know, for, you know, planting a garden right. or whatever it is you do in your, and you, you're that accomplishment that you had, you, you don't get tassels for those. So, well, I graduated yeah. in 2007 and I'm getting to the point where I believe uh, it is in a tote in my garage somewhere, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I'll probably look through it one day when I'm cleaning things out, and then that'll be the end of it. But yeah, uh, yeah we're I'm getting to that point too, where it's like, man, that's that's 15 years ago at this point. Yeah, see, even you did it to me just just then, and that's why. And we jokingly say you're the young Ben, I'm the old Ben. Right. By 2007, when you graduated from high school, I had all of my children. Wow. All of my children had were probably born. The August of 2007 was when Miley was born. So you were going to college wow. yeah, uh, that year. Um, so it's, if anybody has a cobbler that they're <laughs> baking this morning and want to, to share that to, to drown my <laughs> sorrows in, that would be great. So to round everything out, if you just want to move on from the misery that is my age now, uh, there's it's National Idaho Day, so go peel some potatoes and enjoy that russet deal. Uh, National Pack Rat Day. Wow. They encourage people to look at their junk 
and to get rid of it, which I think is interesting because we do coordinate that with uh, cleanup days in our villages and yeah. towns. Yard sales are a bit incur. So what one pack rat stuff is one pack rat's treasure, yeah. and it just kind of goes back and forth that way. But well, that's, I think that's good. I think some of these national days are a bit confusing because they almost right. come across as the fact that we are celebrating those things. That's, you know, with right. with National Lipid Day last week, yeah. uh, I was under the impression we're celebrating those with high cholesterol. Let's do it now. It seems as though we're celebrating hoarders. Right. I, I realize now that's not the case, but. Sure. Uh, whoever's putting these national calendars together needs to be a little bit more specific so we understand what we're actually celebrating. Yeah, don't celebrate being a pack rat. Be less pack ratty. There you go. In, in a sense. So. I understand. And then, look, like, finally, the today is National Walnut Day. Do you like walnuts? I like walnuts. I like walnuts in things, on things, and just to eat them, you know, out of a bag. So I think they taste good. But there's something about a walnut that does something weird to your mouth. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know if it sucks all the spit out when you're eating it, or it, but all of a sudden, like, my saliva is gone when eating <laughs> walnuts. So, you know, it helps. I, I'm trying to do this new thing where I drink at least a gallon to a gallon and a half of water a day. Yeah, yeah. When I eat walnuts, that's out of necessity because I have no moisture left in my body after eating them. <laughs> you know that you're... Not only uh, going to have to have water currently, but you should have been hydrating yes, for a couple yes, of days. Yes, yes, I got to prepare for a couple weeks before I have a walnut. Yeah, yeah, you know, and there's, and I think there's some of that uh, that's really important to remember, so you don't choke. Yeah, you know, when you're eating your national uh, well, and walnut, and day also if you walnuts. have a tree nut allergy, it's best not to celebrate that today. Uh, there are certain really holidays that uh, you just need to sit those out. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I. And, you know, here's just a few recipes you could look at, like a black walnut cake, huh. um, an English walnut pie, or, or you can even make pasta with creamy garlic and walnut sauce. Oh, well, there you go. So those things are fun. Uh, for some reason, in 1958, Senator William F. Noland decided it should be brought to the American people's attention. Yeah, well, is that what you want your legacy to be? I don't know. No. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not on any national holiday. My calendar, name so. is not on any suggested national holiday right. thing yet. List, I mean, so but maybe someday when I'm a senator, huh. uh, I'll declare this national. You know, wear your hat day. There you go, or whatever. Um, I don't know what. That's just something to prepare for. I'm celebrating that one today. <laughs> both of us. So I, I think. We need to get to the topic here in just a moment, but there is one thing that we need to do, and I haven't prepared you for this before oh the show. Okay. Um, to put it frankly, I, I think you owe somebody an apology. I, actually, Uh-oh. somebody's. I, I, okay, let me be clear. An entire country. Okay. Last week, wow. um, we had highlighted the fact that we have some listeners in Belgium. Uh, during that time, you had mentioned that uh, it was National Brussels Sprouts Day or yeah. something like that yeah, yeah. Um, yes. last week. And you attributed Brussels sprouts to the people of Belgium as their contribution to the world, all <laughs> okay. the while ignoring Belgian waffles. Oh, well. So I, I just want to clarify this because okay. if I'm a Belgian citizen and it's portrayed to an American audience that my contribution to the world is Brussels sprouts, which most people – Despise. Now, I like them, but most people would think they're disgusting. Right. 
all the while there is a fluffy, steaming, syrupy, buttery Belgian waffle that I have contributed to the world, and you ignore that. Right. Just apologize to Belgium real quick. Uh, yeah. Well, for, for, so I guess I have this. It's kind of tiered and layered here, but Brussels sprouts are fairly amazing. Yeah. They now, are if my good. mom ever listens to this, she's gonna say, "What? Yeah. What, you're who is my son, and what have you? You know, where is my son? Who? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Why are you taking my son somewhere else? Because <laughs> I never would have eaten a Brussels sprout. But if you ever go to the uh, Firefly Grill in mm-hmm. Effingham, they have the most e- amazing Brussels sprouts. Wow. Uh, and they do something with them that is just really good. I I fixed them on my um, Blackstone at home mm-hmm. that I bought at Ace Hardware. Uh, and it was, it, they are the best. Hmm. They are the best vegetable out there. So good for that's you. A, and they are actually, statement. and I, someone confronted me with this and, and they said that, that they're not really from Brussels. They, they did. Okay. But according to Google, Brussels sprouts are believed to originate from the city with which get their name from Brussels, Belgium. Oh. They actually are a sprout. Well. That is from Brussels. So. I did say that correctly. Yes, I will apologize, though, for ignoring the country's contribution yes. of Belgium to the world when you would want to go and eat a waffle at IHOP or wherever you're going to go. Right. You Yes. Th- that may be... I, that may be a better contribution. You, you may be right about that. Just more uh, popular with the world as a whole, I would assume. So Very probably. Although I'll Google that later and see if more Belgian waffles are eaten than Brussels sprouts. Yeah, we can check that out. It's so. like the question of you know wheels versus what was it that recently the, the big TikTok trend was, were there more wheels or doors in the world? Which how would one know those how, things? How but. could you ever begin to figure that out? But Brussels sprouts or... Belgian waffles. Yeah. They're one? both they're both heavenly, which is a great segue oh, into really today's good. topic. That was really good. So I, I'm really excited about this. Um, yeah. One of the the biggest uh, sections or, or uh, subject of questions that we've gotten from people has been around heaven. What will heaven be like? Are, are we gonna? You know, there's all kinds of questions that people have. And what I've found is that as I've kind of been working through the subject and just in conversations and thoughts about my own life, what I've realized is most people don't have a correct view of heaven. Right. Um, So what I want to do to start this is let's talk about some of our own personal misconceptions of heaven. Right. Um, So so I'll, I'll start. I think the first thing that I kind of was led to believe, and, and I don't want to say that somebody just told me this, but rather nobody corrected me on yeah. it, was the fact that we become angels who do nothing but float on clouds and sing songs all day. Yeah. Now, as somebody who is not musically inclined, I've got to be honest, that sounds a lot more like hell than it does heaven to sure. me. But that yeah. is... That is by and large, especially when you look at it from a Hollywood-driven perspective, that is by and large a very common perspective of heaven that people have. Yeah, yeah. You you start to imagine even as a little kid that kind of that per- picture that comes to mind of we'll all be you know floating around in white robes, um, 
you know, there'll be some, some people are going to be playing harps and, yeah. and others are going to be doing, you know, other things, but there's little or nothing and little or no activity going on. Yeah. And I do. And I think that the, the reason why we get that perspective is not necessarily from what we were taught, because I don't think my parents ever taught me right. that. And I don't, I certainly never heard that in Sunday school, mm-hmm. but I do think it's important to really think through why, why, where do we get that idea? Well, we get that idea from a lot of Hollywood movies that we, watch that they come um, one in particular comes to mind is a john travolta film um his name is michael the film is michael yeah and he comes down from heaven and he's wearing he's got wings yep you know and he you know of course he and the movie itself is troublesome in that he gets to back to earth and he really likes earth so he doesn't <laughs> want to go to heaven yeah. so it therein lies some problems with yeah. what hollywood does to us but if you think about clarence the angel from um it's a beautiful life, um, or it's a wonderful life. Um, if you think about the, he was in a white robe when yep. he arrived here, um, and uh, yeah, not not necessarily a great perspective on what heaven, yeah, is going to be. Right, I got a lot of my view from Angels in the Outfield. Okay. Uh, right. So you know, right, I, I would always uh, right. pray that they would help me in my baseball career. Absolutely, and, and, you know. They stopped because I'm yeah. here recording this podcast instead yeah. of playing major leagues. No, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hollywood, uh, the entertainment industry, influences a lot of people's view of what heaven will be like. Yeah. The other part that I remember is I remember being 13, and I was laying in my bed and just thinking about uh, you know life after death, what that looks like, and just thinking about the concept of forever. And I remember almost having a panic attack in my bed because it's like, no, there has to be a beginning and an end to this. You're telling me it never ends. I I just feel like I was going to be caught up in some perpetual, I don't know, like heavenly hamster wheel. Like you could just never get off of this ride. And and that scares a lot of people too. Yeah, it's really hard for us to understand because everything we do is is the result of a deadline, or and and we've life is so segmented by you know hours and days and weeks and months that there's always an end to whatever it is you're doing yep. there's never a, a, an, a an infinite amount of time that something will occur it's rarely ever that we what we do is indefinite you'll even hear that you know on like if a guy gets suspended from the you know the NBA for doing what they did it, their their um, suspension is an indefinite well, what does that mean? Yeah. Indefinite. Which eventually, they either get left off and told you can't ever play again, which yep. means there is a definite ending, yep. or or they're allowed to play again. And so, I think infinity and and inf- the infinite thought process is difficult. I, I had a college professor describe infinity. He said, "Imagine the universe as this as a as a metal ball." And I've, I've used this illustration other times and my family laughs at me because they can't understand it. And I don't really understand it either. But he said, but he said, it's imagine that the, the universe is a metal ball and there is a dove that flies around the universe. And at the same point at every, every time they come back around to it, they touch it with their wing and then they fly around it again. And it takes them all this time to get around and then touch it with their wing. When the ball, when the metal ball disappears, from all that friction from the dove's wings, then the universe starts over and the dove has to continue to do that. And that's, that's infinity. That's how mm. long. And when he'd said that, I went, 
I'm tired. Yeah. I'm already tired of thinking about, is the dove the part of the thing that I'm supposed to be thinking? Am I the dove when we get to inf- <laughs> And it, it's a difficult, it's so difficult because you can't even begin to describe what that will be like. And so to wake up every day and then to go to bed every day and to know that that's the way it will be for all of eternity. Yeah. Yeah. It makes people just their heads spin and they don't really know what to do with it. Well, I think some of those common misconceptions often build off of one another too. So you have this, the inconvenient truth of forever. I don't mean inconvenient in that it's, we're not going to enjoy it, but I mean, from our human perspective now, we have a hard time grasping something that never comes to an end. Yeah. So so that's kind of the starting place. But then you take on the second misconception that we're not going to really be doing anything but singing and playing harps. Well, you do that forever? I, I do that for five minutes, and I'm tired of I'm it. I'm done with it, yeah. And, and so you're telling me that that's going to last yeah. forever. So, yeah, you can see why those things start to build. And the reality is, is if that is our thought process of heaven— why would we want to go there? Right. When in fact, God has given us glimpses through Scripture of what heaven will be like, and He's shown us through even the things here on earth. So let me just say this, because there is kind of an overarching terminology of heaven that that's just the place we go after we die, and that's the place we are forever. Well, okay, so is heaven a place? Well, sure, but what makes heaven heaven. Right. Well, it's the presence of God. Right. So really where God is, that is where heaven is ultimately. Yeah. So I think one of the misconceptions that gets lost in our thought process of what does eternal life look like is that heaven is not our final home. Heaven as it is now, the intermediate state of where somebody goes after they die, well, that's not the place where humans will be forever. Right. Uh, we believe that what Revelation teaches is that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, which what that means is a uh, remade, uh, restored, redeemed universe. Right. So what is created now will be recreated at the end of all things, and that is where a restored, redeemed humanity will come back and live. Yeah. So when you think of it that way, you you start to think of, wow, heaven is not going to be unfamiliar, but extremely familiar. Right. Just without sin, without blemish, without decay, without being under the curse. And and so what I hope this does is is not to give you every single answer to every single question, because my goodness, they're... Not qualified. We're not qualified, and there's just a ton of questions that could arise. But rather... Stir something in your soul so that believers actually look forward yeah. to heaven. Yeah. Uh, so we want us to be in agreement with Paul when he says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, which right. means, hey, I've got work to do while I'm here. Uh, God has given me a mission to declare the gospel. But to if I die and go be with the Lord, that is far better than any of the pleasures of this world. Right. And honestly, I think this distorted view of what eternal life looks like often leads people to seek the pleasures in this world. Sure. Because if there's something totally 
outside of my scope of of thoughts of anything that I can imagine in heaven. So so in other words, what I'm trying to say is that heaven is something that I will never recognize, can't even picture. There's just something otherworldly about it. Well, then I want to accumulate all the treasures here, the things that I know, the things that I can see and touch. And the reality is, is, well, the redeemed earth, the redeemed new heaven, new earth, is going to be very similar to the life that we or the the place that we live in now. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think you you hit on two things that made me really thought think through that. One, it, it being in the presence of God for for all of eternity is an exciting. It should be an exciting thought process for us, even though sometimes I think Satan likes to try to put those doubts in our mind about, oh gosh, I mean, so you're serious? We're just going to, there's going to be this, you know, Revelation, you know, four talks about the circles of heaven and there's, you know, God's at the center on the throne and then the angels and then, you know, all that. And, um, but even to that point, if we're really, if we're really going to talk through the logistics of it, if we only did that for all of eternity, we don't really have a perspective of what it will be like to be in the presence of God. You know, the, the Bible says that no no one has looked upon God's face yeah. and survived and lived. Okay, well, that's an interesting thought to me because now in heaven, we will be literally directly in the presence of God and and living for all of eternity. So there's going to be some... There's going to be some thought process and or and <laughs> some exploration there, some adventure that's going to come with just getting to know God that way and and to be able to worship Him with God's people. But on top of all that, why when we ask the question about will heaven be boring? What is it that makes life not boring here? It, it's a, for me that's a I have to I have to step back and go. A lot of times, what we find are exciting is our life of sin possibly, or the things that we look for, for adventure, uh, uh, driving a little too fast at times because it just gives us that jump, uh, or having this thing or that or doing though, or thinking about doing things. And it oftentimes what makes life not boring here is our pursuit of sin. Hmm. <laughs> and so, and the, and the exciting things that come with that. Well, in the scripture, the, the Bible tells, I was just looking at a scripture, um, uh, in Acts 3.21, Peter says the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets will be restored. Um, Matthew 19.27-28, um, Matthew talks about the renewal of all things. Yeah. Well, when we talk about the renewal of all things, the, the heaven w- will be a new adventure of new, new and exciting things that we'll be able to do. So for us to think about that whole boring idea, what it, what it's like to be there, one we can't picture it, so we don't know. Yeah. So that just makes our mind wonder. Yeah. But the second thing that's really that the Bible promises is there will be something good there that we can't even because we can't make our mind wrap around it. It will it it will be something that will keep our interest. That we will daily find things to do. We will, you know, fishing boats and. <laughs> golf courses and beaches and those things will still be available to us yeah. uh, and we will be able to enjoy them in a way that we can't enjoy them necessarily here on earth. Well, and you had mentioned that a lot of the things that we would consider fun are, are sometimes corrupted by sin. So, yeah. you know, you talk about the driving too fast or, or um, whatever it is. Whatever. Like for me, I love golf. Sure. 
golf can bring out some uh, some feelings in me. It sure can. Um, yeah. I'm very, very, very competitive uh, to a fault sometimes with myself or with others. And if that's not channeled in the right direction, man, that can I can say some things that I regret. I can yep. do some things that I regret. I have broken a couple of golf clubs um, <laughs> even after becoming a Christian. So, but but the thing is, okay, well, is golf itself a sin? Well, no, absolutely not. Yeah. But it is it is subjected to the corruption of yeah. humanity. Yeah. And so those things that we find pleasurable will still be pleasurable, but no longer corrupted. Right. So so here's here's one thing that I, I think is just a very profound statement. And this was something that Randy Alcorn wrote in his book, Heaven, which there are not many books outside of the Bible that I would just consider soul-stirring. Yeah. Um, so I'm not equating this to the Bible or anything like that, but it is something that to me, man, it just it just caused something to rise up inside of me. And I think it was because I haven't really had a correct view of heaven or, or a correct understanding in light of what Scripture tells us. But it says, he writes this, he says, Satan need not convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He need only to convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. If we believe that lie, then we'll be robbed of our joy and anticipation. We'll set our minds on this life and not the next, and we won't be motivated to share our faith. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. You know, that sounds like something that comes right out of the book uh, Screwtape Letters yeah. by C.S. Lewis, because that that could be a chapter right there. And it could be. I've not read um, Screwtape Letters for years and years, so I've forgotten the contents of it. But it sounds exactly like what what something that, that Satan would write to his nephew, Wormwood, you know, and give him, hey, convince them that heaven isn't necessarily going to be all that it's cracked up to be. Convince them that they're just going to be, you know, naked little cherubs, you know, floating around, flying from spot to spot, playing a harp one day and maybe, maybe, you know, serving somebody in another or whatever. Convince them that what they do now is so much better. Right. And then when you do that, they won't want to go there out just out of a sheer rebellion of, if that's what God wants for me. And isn't that interesting how he does that to us on earth too? Right. You know, and then our, we get cracked uh, with this terrible thing that happens in our life. And we, and then all of a sudden Satan has convinced us that this life isn't all that good. And how can God, if he's a good God, lead us through these things? And why does he allow these things to happen to us? And that's, and now all of a sudden we don't necessarily want to have a relationship with God at all. Right even if it means here on earth or in heaven. Yeah. And so Satan really does a number to us. And that, that quote is so good because, yeah, so much of the time that, that misinformation doesn't come from the Bible itself and doesn't come from church or church teaching. It right. comes mostly from Satan and, and his wanting to distract us from the best thing that we got going for us right. here or in eternity. And isn't it interesting that, Nobody would say that this life is infinite, meaning yeah. everybody understands that there's a time to live and there's a time to die. Right. But we look at all the things that God has created, because even though we do live in a fallen world, uh, you can look around the world and see that there is evil and suffering. That is just a part of the human existence. There is still a lot of beauty. I mean, if you stand—I know you love Gatlinburg. Yeah. 
you you go out on your back deck and look at the smoky mountains with the clouds you know touching the top of those trees yeah i, I love uh the rocky mountains so watching those peaks just kind of shoot up out yep. of the sky yep. uh, my wife loves the beach so watching that clear blue water why do we attribute those things to god and and we would agree as believers that God is the creator of those things, but then pretend as though he will just mail it in for eternity. (laughs) Well, no, there's not going to be anything to be created. There's not going to be beauty. It's just going to be clouds and harps. And no, No. God is the, the infinite creator of all the beauty that we see. And he's just getting started. Yeah. Uh, Do how, how foolish are we to think that, we have somehow reached the limits of God's capacity for creativity and innovation. No, the fact of eternal life is that it will never end. You're never going to get to the limit of God's creativity, uh, God's goodness, God's love. You're never going to find the end of that. No, and I think that in and of itself... Is a, is a reward when you when Paul talks about you know heaven he talks about it being a reward for us that we're right. we're now going to you know receive and take for ourselves that eternal reward that God has so freely offered so you you on top of being in His presence for all of eternity yeah. on top of not being separated from Him which is next week's you know yeah. episode uh, um, in in hell where where we will be you mentioned a while ago that being in the presence of God is the place we want to be yeah. and that's what heaven will be um, the opposite is also true that we will not be given over to the complete and total separation from God where right. we will ask why the same question Jesus asked what God why have you forsaken me um, so so on top of that, on top of being in the presence of God for all of eternity, he just makes things, all all things, Revelation says, new. Yeah. All things will become new. And so to be able to look forward to that on a, on a daily basis, I think that that's one of the things that if you, if you haven't, by the way, if you haven't read or don't have a copy of Heaven by Randy Alcorn, you need to get it. Yeah. Ben mentioned that a while ago, but you need to get that book. It's like the textbook on the subject. Um, but you know he, his whole thing is, and his ministry is called uh, Eternal Perspectives Ministry. Yeah. You know he he says we need to be thinking more along the lines of not the finite life that we're living now, but each and every day being God's word, remembering that one day as we sometimes suffer through this life and sometimes trudge through this world's crud that it throws at us, that that's what we should be thinking about on a on a daily basis. I think the lack of an anticipation of a perfected life to come, uh, if, if we view it as boring and, and just mundane and repetitive for all of eternity, how does that impact the way that we are called to go and share our faith now? Well, why would I really be serious yeah. about, one, not just continually pursuing the pleasures of this world, but two... Why would I care about telling anybody about yeah. Christ if this is what he brings? And this is the problem that I think a lot of people face. They don't really understand the beauty and just, I mean, and that's just selling it so short, but sure. the eternal beauty that is awaiting for us in heaven and then later on in the new heavens and the new earth, that if we don't see that, well, there's no reason to tell people about Jesus if it's just yeah. a boring, mundane place. Yeah. 
in fact, a lot of people would say, well, listen, if the sinners that I'm having fun with and I'm shooting pool and I'm, you know, doing all these crazy things with, if they're going to be in hell and you're telling me that heaven is just a blank nothingness, I'll take hell. Yeah. And, and the reality is, is that is such a dangerous misconception. Yeah. Um, so it helps the believer to see heaven for what it actually is, as much as we can grasp. Um, but, but Scripture has given us uh, so many keys, so many insights into what heaven is, who God is, and by extension, we have to come to the conclusion that the place that he's prepared for us is infinitely better than anything that we can come to here. Yeah, I, I had a girl... <laughs> And it's, it's uh, so interesting the way certain things stick with you, but we were I was in Greenville, First Christian Church in Greenville, doing minist- youth ministry there, and I was t- that very topic of, of evangelism. We were trying to teach the kids what it was to share their faith and why they needed to be, why it was so important to teach them about this. And she flat out asked me this question that you're addressing right now. She said, I love horses. I love being outside. I love riding my horse in the woods and behind our home and all that. And she said, if my understanding of what heaven is from Revelation 4, if that's what I'm telling people heaven is, I'm almost embarrassed to have to tell them. Right. And I was, I, I mean, you, I, I think I can remember my jaw actually flopping open like and, and not really having a good answer. For that, which you know, obviously, I've grown in my understanding of scripture yeah. and understanding of heaven. But yeah, I do think there is something like that. I mean, it, how many country songs can you think of? At least one I can think of that says, "We, I, I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go now." Right? Really? Yep. Really? What What can this life offer you on on a daily basis? I mean, it, well, let's even just say you're retired. You're living the high life. You got all. You got people taking, bringing you food and taking your place. You don't have to do any, I mean, even if that life is what you would have for the rest of your life, your body's still going to decay yeah. and, and fail you. People around you are still going to fail you. I mean, all, all of the things that life does offer death and, 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 and all of the grief that comes with that, you're saying you would still prefer that life over an eternity in heaven, no matter what the nature of it was. Yeah. And we know the nature of it. We've talked about that quite a bit already. You would why would why would we choose that? And again, it's just Satan's lies to us yeah. that keep us from con- considering the realness of it and the truth. Absolutely. Well, again, there is so many places that we could take yeah. this conversation. Uh, so many questions that will probably still uh, will still ring in your mind as you ponder and, and search Scripture uh, for the answers to what will heaven be like. But over the course of the last few weeks, we have gotten several listener questions about certain aspects or certain things in heaven that uh, maybe this is on your mind too. So we're going to do a couple rapid-fire questions as we wrap up the episode. Uh, And the very first one that we've gotten was actually the first question that we have ever received from a listener uh, on Since You Asked, and it is, will we have free will in heaven? Great question. Man. Yeah, and the the silence that occurs after that is that it while it feels simple to answer, it is so complicated to it, it's a simple answer, but it's a complicated explanation. But if you could if you could just think about that and and really kind of bring your mind around to it, if you just take a few scriptures uh, in mind, like Romans or Revelation twenty one four, the writer John says there will be no more death. 
or mourning or crying or pain for the old, old order of things has passed away. When you think about free will, what, what I think people, when they ask that question is, will I have free will? Does that mean I will have the ability to make a choice that I want to make right. versus the, and usually it involves right or wrong. Yeah. The decision between right or wrong, do I get to choose or do I not get to choose? Yeah. Is God forcing me into this decision or is God going to allow me? To, and I think that the question that comes with the scripture of Revelation 21, 4, the answer that comes is you, you won't have a need for free will because you will want to do only what is right yeah. and in line with God's will and way. So I think I think kind of the extension of that answer is, will we have free will in heaven? Yes. Sure. But we need to define what free will actually is so that we can understand what we have free will to do. Free will is just simply the freedom to choose an action in accordance with our desires. So what we need to do is take a look at the freedom that we have now, or our state now, as opposed to the state uh, in eternity. And so right now, uh, if you're a believer, I hope that you would come to the same conclusion that we are living in a fallen state. Uh, we, We have become corrupted by sin. We have a sinful human nature. Therefore, free will is really the choosing between doing one thing that is bad or one thing that is also bad. Right. Like human, the human heart is bad. Now, when a heart is redeemed by Christ, we start to become more and more like him. Now, yeah. our hearts are transformed, and we have the option to choose what is of Christ or what is of the flesh. So, so essentially, to boil it down, a good or a bad choice. Yeah. So that is the that is free will in this state on earth. The next life, in eternal life, what we're told is that the act of sanctification or us being made more and more like Christ is going to be completed. So for people who are following Christ, you are never going to be perfect. Right. You're you're never going to be completely conformed to the image of Christ this side of eternity, but on the other side you will. Therefore, your sinful nature is gone. Uh, There is, you are restored, you're redeemed, you're back to the way that God intended when he created humanity. So you do have free will to choose the action in accordance with your desires, but your desires are no longer corrupted by your sinful nature. So you're choosing, you get to choose what to do in heaven. Like, you're not every day is not going to be mapped out for you for all of eternity like okay your nine o'clock is you're going to climb you know the second mount everest or whatever you're going to have the choice to do these things but all of the decisions you make will no longer be corrupted by a sinful human nature so yes you will have free will but it's not going to look like the free will that you experience now yeah and i the writer um a guy named paul helm writes, the freedom of heaven then is the freedom from sin, not that the believer just happens to be free from sin, but that he is so constituted or reconstituted that he cannot sin. He doesn't want to sin, and he does not, uh, he, he doesn't want to sin, and he does not want to want to sin. So I, I, I think that for me is just what you said is exactly how I would try to explain that to people is, yeah, you'll have a choice of when you wake up in the morning, do you want eggs or do you want, you know, a Danish for breakfast? Do you want cherry cobbler today or do you want (laughs) 
peach cobbler. I mean, yeah, you'll have the choice to and the will to choose to do those things, sleep in or get up early or whatever, but there won't be that that desire within you to do something that is going to then corrupt your life even further through through sin. So I think that's a that's a great way to kind of answer that for me. Yeah, I think the follow-up question to that is always, so would that mean that if we have free will in heaven that we would have the option to sin? And yeah, to no. that, the answer would be no. Absolutely. The sinful nature is no longer at play, yeah. therefore there is no desire or option to sin because that's not your nature anymore. Right. Death is, death is no longer... Uh, you know, Jesus died once and for, once for all. All and so we won't experience beyond our physical death when we're welcomed into heaven. We won't experience that second death that Revelation talks about. So once sin has been dealt with through Jesus Christ's death on a cross, his resurrection, we will then experience resurrection to a new life. And that that old that sinful nature that we had now is dead within us, or it, it's not even in us any longer. It's it's been removed from us. So. Absolutely. So I hope that answers that question. Uh, the next one that we've gotten is, will we know people in heaven? Mm. This is one of those things that kind of freaks people out. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to remember anything from the past. I'm not going to remember anybody. Like, that just sounds awful. I'm going to walk around for eternity with a bunch of strangers. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah. But it's not what Scripture teaches. So uh, let me let me just lay out what Paul writes to the Thessalonians. First uh, Thessalonians 4 14 through 18. Now, to understand the context, you need to understand that Paul is writing to a group of people who are fearful that their relatives who have died before have missed out on the return of Christ. So they are just lost because they're dead. They believe that only those who were alive when Christ returned would be the ones to, uh, to experience eternal life with him. Paul alleviates these fears when he says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, he's saying those who are alive when Christ returns and those who died but were in Christ before he returned will be raised and will uh, meet him. And so I think, and then he ends in verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. Don't be fearful about that. You're going to remember people. The the promise for us is not that everything is going to be wiped clean, not that we're going to have the the men in black moment where our memory is just right. wiped clean and now, you know, go have fun. Right. No, you're going to remember things. You're going to remember uh, things that happened on earth. You're going to remember the people that you made those memories with. But what's not going to happen is it's not going to be corrupted by sin. Right. Um, I, I would believe that you're probably not going to remember all of the bad things that happen, but you're certainly going to remember the good things, sure. um, because those relationships with those who are in Christ are going to continue, and you're going to have an eternity to build those relationships and get to know more people. Yeah. Uh, this is not something that life just looks totally different than it does now. Yeah, and it's and it's um, it it would I think it would be cruel of God to make so much of in his in his word the, about the church. And about family and 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 me to you know spend part of my life um, living um, and raising kids and having grandkids and all these things that we get to do together, and then all of a sudden in heaven, poof, 
poof, I, oh, I got to go out and start it and get involved in a new church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know that, and, and, you know, the scripture said, you know, Paul says there's uh, not, or Paul, uh, Matthew writes that there's not going to be marriage in heaven, that Jesus right. was explaining that to them. But, and it sounds weird to people, but we're all going to be married to Jesus, the church. Right. He's going to come claim us as his bride. Yeah. So that part of the relationships won't be necessary. But you're not going to lose that relationship because my wife and I have talked right. about this. I mean, you know, God love her. She's about in tears thinking about the prospect of not being married course, to me. You know, greatest gift. <laughs> Maybe I'm you know, misremembering that. Right, but, right, right, right. <laughs> but but we have had that conversation. She's like, so we won't be married in heaven, and well, the answer is yeah. Yeah. But what is marriage? Well, marriage is a shadow of what is to come in our yep. relationship with Christ. Yep. The good things, the bonds that we built, are pointing to greater things and a greater bond that will be found with us yep. and Christ. But it doesn't mean that. Now you're just not going to remember that that woman that you've been married to for sure. so many years. Like my wife and I, you and your wife, if you're listening to this, you and your spouse, you're going to have a deeper relationship. Yeah. And so what I've tried to tell yeah. my wife is that we're still going to have a relationship. You're still going to be my best friend, and our relationship is actually going to be deeper. But no, we're not going to be necessarily married because you're going to have something better. You're going to have Christ. Right. And you know, whether she'd admit it or not, Christ is a lot better than me. So I think yeah, she would admit that. I mean, that. she would probably admit that. But <laughs> I, and again, not that this is where the, the the limited knowledge that I have of this topic really ends. Because when someone, that if someone asks the next question, well, what does that mean yeah. to be married to Jesus? Well, I don't know. I, yeah. I really don't. I don't, I don't understand how that's going to look and what it means to spend all of eternity there. But I do know that, that God has no intentions of me to watch those little girls and those little boys of my children grow up and then me to never, ever, ever for all of eternity ever get to spend time with them again. Well, no. I don't want that. That doesn't I sound good. That doesn't sound good to me. I want to fish with them before I die and hang out with them on the lake. But then I also think I'm going to want to do that later. Absolutely. I think I'm going to want to do that in heaven and, um, you know, I'm going to catch all the big fish. Right. Once we get Give to them every the time I ca- yeah. yeah, every time I cast it in, I'm going to br- reel a big <laughs> one in, which is you know a question we weren't able to get to uh, in this podcast today. Well, I, I think actually, you know what? Let's extend this a little bit and let's answer that question okay. because it we started to allude to it earlier. Yeah. Because there is another misconception that the perfect nature of our bodies, the the perfection that's laid out about heaven, will mean that there is no more. Uh, there's no more imperfection from the standpoint of, let me just use an analogy. So I love golf. The perception of golf in heaven sounds terrible because you hit a hole in one every time. You can't do it wrong. You can't ever do it wrong because you're perfect. And to that, I would say, no, we're still finite people. We're still creator. God is the only one that is, um, that is, omnipotent, that knows everything, and, and so we're not promised that once we get to heaven, we're going to know everything, that that all skills will be yeah. perfect now, that every race that has ever run in heaven is always going to end in a tie. Right. And now here's where this argument <laughs> falls apart. So not I, when I'm running. No, I well, can tell you how that Well, works. you know, you'll be faster in heaven <laughs> yeah. at least. Ooh, I hope so. I hope I can be too, but here, here's where this argument falls apart. So I love baseball. Let's just stick on the sports analogy. Okay. I love baseball. How's that going to work in heaven? Yeah. Because every pitcher by that standard should throw a perfect game. Not even a no-hitter should throw a perfect game. But every batter should hit a home run every time. That's true. This It it can't be both. So 
there's still going to be competition. There's still going to be things to learn, skills to acquire. Um, yeah. But that's just never going to end. Yeah. And and so don't buy into the lie that you're just going to be absolutely perfect and no, everything's going to be easy because that does sound boring. Yeah. But it's going to be learning. It's going to be uh, competition. It's going to be learning new skills or acquiring new things without the sinful nature corrupting it. Yeah. And so there's going to be a lifetime, an inf- infinite lifetime, uh, to learn and to do and to to play. Yeah. It, it is something to look absolutely forward to. Yeah, it's it's like the agony of Game 7. You know, the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns are playing ba- you right. know, basketball the other night, and one team just outdid the other, yep. and it was really – it was pretty lopsided. It was ugly. Um, at, but at the end of the game, you know, the the – as the game's coming in, one team wins, one team loses. There's a scrub, you know, a scrub there at the beginning, at the middle of the the court, and they're they're getting ready to fight. Well, what you can say in heaven is one team wins, one team loses. Yeah, that stinks, and I hate that one team wins and one team loses. But someone's got to move on, someone's got to go home. Yeah. But there won't be that angst afterwards there won't be the need to punch somebody in the face you know <laughs> right. we can all go home i read a story about a team the other night their team lost and there was a shooting in the parking lot because one team lost one fan's team lost and he just he got mad and they got in a fight and so somebody started shooting a gun there that's the result that's the difference between i think what we do here and the differences in heaven is when i do shank one off to the right, <laughs> right. i just know that there's i'm gonna go hit another shot yeah that I'm not, you know, I I even wonder, you know, will I even find that ball? It's okay <laughs> because I got another ball in the bag and I'm out here and, you know, so I do think that sometimes we get that, we get that misconception and, and again, Satan just distracts us so completely with, yep. but what if, and what if, and what if, and the, and the really, the great thing to kind of pull it back to is that it's heaven. It's heaven. Man, what do I need to worry for about what that will be like? Just knowing that that's what God has prepared, yep. and that that scripture for me is one of the things that just encourages me every day. Is John chapter fourteen when he says, "I, I if, if I didn't, if I want telling the truth, I wouldn't tell you one. I wouldn't say these things to you, but I go there to prepare a place. Yeah, to what? A yep. Prepare? You're preparing that for me now? Yeah. So we've got something amazing to look forward to there. Absolutely. Well, I think we would be remiss if we didn't end the podcast episode this way. Um, we want, if you're a believer, to look forward with eager anticipation of what's to come. Uh, it is heaven because God is there, uh, but it is also heaven because God's people are there. Yeah. Uh, but even further still, we need to come back to the truth of the gospel, that it is only those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. He's made it plain. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But the way that you get there is through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we believe when he says that. So put your faith, put your trust in Jesus, and trust that if you've done that, that this life that is full of beauty, that is full of great things— but it's still corrupted by a sinful nature, a curse that is on humanity, is one day going to be perfected, and that is the life that your soul is longing for. So I hope that stirs something up in you. I know it does me. Next week, we're going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum. We're going to talk about some of the realities of hell, um, just to make sure that we are informed biblically so that we can best share our faith as we go Uh, about our days. So, hey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Since You Asked. 
thing to send to us. Join us next time as we tackle more of your burning questions.